the title of the message today is Convinced by the Spirit. Would you stand with me as we look into God's Word? Look at a, one of the stories of Elisha, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. I'll begin reading. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. This is the enemy's king. He wanted to seize Elisha. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chair and chariots everywhere. Read this with me, it's in bold. Oh sir, what will we do now? Have you ever felt that way in your own life? And the young man cried to Elisha. This was Elisha's servant. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. Some of you, that's all you need to hear today. That's all you need to know. There's more on your side than the enemies. And then Elisha prayed. Let's read it together. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. As we declare it, as we receive it into our souls, into our spirits, Lord, draw us closer to you. Allow us to be more sensitive to your voice, and may we leave this place totally convinced that your spirit is at work in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' powerful, strong, and mighty name. And everyone said together, amen. 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 You may be seated. In John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come to convict the world, to convince the world. Uh, convict, we're convinced that they had done something wrong, so they're, what, in prison because of uh, convincing evidence there. And he says the Holy Spirit would convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I, I just paused right there as I was reading that again and preparing the sermon. You know, what, what's the culture trying to convince us of? The Holy Spirit convinces us that there's sin in the world, that there's God's righteousness, and that there's an eternity. What does the world try to convince us? That sin is a creation of religion. We, we're just, you come to church to be made to feel bad. Sin is some, something that uh, pastors have conjured up. And there is no God and YOLO, right? You only live once. There's no eternity. Just do what you want. And I'm not convinced that. I'm convinced that there's a God and that there's sin and that there's judgment, is righteousness, and that there's eternity. You know, advertisers try to convince you to buy their products. Anybody like me, when I'm buying something on Amazon, I want to see the rating, how many stars. I want to read a few reviews. I want to be convinced that it's the right thing. Uh, I, I'm into supplements. Too many, you know, this, this season of life, you buy a lot of supplements. Like I, and I put them in a little white cup for my wife, and I want to be convinced that the, uh, the supplements are really going to make a difference. I don't think they do. I think it's more mental than anything else. But uh, I, I'm taking those because I'm convinced that they might help me. I read a story in the New York Times just a couple of weeks ago that kind of gives us a picture of where our culture is today. The story was about an atheist chaplain. Okay. Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> an atheist chaplain in a death row inmate's final hours. Devin Moss spent a year ministering to a convicted killer, Philip Hancock. And today, this was the title of the article in the New York Times. 
They wrestled with one question, how to face death without God. It's a good question, isn't it? If you don't believe that there's a God. The end of the article, it said, in his chaplain's hand, the chaplain's hand after the execution, was the paper where he had written down his final message to the man, Hancock, who was executed. There were instructions he had written to himself. He said, quote, call the spirit of humanity into this space, end quote. The spirit of humanity. That's kind of like send your feelings across the airwaves, you know, this kind of talk that we hear today. And there was a sentence fragment he crossed out following the word spirit. He had put in of the divine, but he had crossed it out. Moss had gone back and forth on how to approach those last moments. The writer said he knew he wanted his final words to his friend to honor what both of them believed to be true. As he said, driving away from the prison, quote, God has nothing to do with this, end of quote. There is no God. God doesn't care. God's not involved. I'm glad I don't live my life that way. <laughs> I'm glad God sent his son Jesus so we would know that he is real and that we can live with power. We can live by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the eternal convincer. He is the one who comes to convince us and convict us of sin and righteousness and eternity. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate eye-opener. He's the one who gives us clarity. Let me give you three thoughts from the life of Elisha. If you're taking notes, you may want to write the first one down. The first one is that the convinced, those of us who are convinced by the Spirit, thinking about Elisha, should respond quickly to the Spirit. You know, there are a lot of uh, people, men and women in the Bible, who were slowly convinced. Moses was slowly convinced that I can't go. All kinds of excuses. Gideon was, well, let me put the fleece out. Let me make sure. Let me make sure. But I'm, I'm so glad for the life of Elisha. Elisha is an MVP in responding quickly. In 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah goes to call him, it tells us, Elijah went down and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak around his shoulders, and then he walked away. And read this with me. Elisha left the oxen standing there, and he ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother, and then I'll go with you. And Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Can you imagine? Maybe it's a young man. Maybe it's a family law practice, and he's graduated with his uh, juris degree, and he's practicing law, and he's becoming a partner, and dad's all happy because this is my heir, and he's the one who's going to take this practice. And an old preacher walks in, and this preacher, he's, he's been in trouble. This preacher, uh, he, he runs away from women like uh, Jezebel, and he's, he gets depressed and goes to the mountain, and he's waiting for God to speak in the thunder. And this, and this preacher has some problems, but he goes over, and he, he maybe puts a, a Bible on his desk, and he says, I need you to follow me. And immediately, in the middle of the case, I said, just let me go kiss my parents goodbye, and I'll be right with you. 
Isn't it wonderful to see people respond to God like that? Like when God calls me, it's drop everything. This is the time to move. This isn't the time to question. This is the time to go. And so he goes. He doesn't finish the sale. He doesn't finish the surgery. He doesn't finish the lawsuit or whatever he was involved when he runs after the preacher. And the preacher's got to say, wait, wait, time out, slow down. Just, just go back and, 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 and take some time. Think about this. And he goes back. He takes the beast that uh, is there in the field with him, and he roasts it and has a party and says, I am going to follow Elijah. Remember the wedding of Cana, Mary told her servants, do whatever he tells you. That's God's word to us today. When the Holy Spirit speaks, do whatever he tells you. Elisha was an I'll do whatever God tells me to do kind of a person. I think the world today needs to have us prepared wherever we're at in the office, wherever we're at in our, with our families, ready to respond quickly. What would happen if Trinity was filled with sons and daughters that would respond quickly? How many of you would like to have your teenage children or your elementary school age children respond quickly to you? Anybody? Amen on that one. That would be, you know, I'd have to probably come visit you in the hospital because you might fall out if that happened. But it, you, you just say, wow, I can, I can trust that person. This person's going to do the right thing. You think, when I think about Elisha, Elisha heard more than the voice of Elijah. He heard the voice of the Spirit. And sometimes people say something to you, and it might be the voice of God speaking through them. We had a young man that attended here. He's, he's deceased now, but uh, special needs, used to sit in the front of the church. And he uh, had some awkward mannerisms and Kids would make fun of him, and he was, uh, you know, just kind of marginalized, but he, he would be here every Sunday. I remember one Sunday after preaching, he stopped me in the hall, and he says to me, Pastor, Jesus loves you. And I kind of like, I'm going, no, no, Pastor, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. The voice of the Spirit can speak through People that you never expected speak to you in a time and in a place where they're sensing something that maybe nobody else in the room is sensing, but they sense what's going on in your life. And the Holy Spirit used him as a spokesman for God to tell me, Pastor, Jesus loves you. The voice of the Spirit. I was uh, doing a little research about uh, recognizing human voices. For humans, the ability to recognize one another by voice, you know, you hear your, your spouse's voice, a family member's voice, you can be in the mall, you can be at a ball game, and you, you recognize their voice. It says the rec to recognize another voice relies on the ability to compute the differences between the incidental phonetics of a specific vocalization and the abstract phonological representations of the words that vocalization contains. I'm glad it's easier to recognize the Holy Spirit than it is to go through the calisthenics of trying to figure out how I can recognize my family members. You know, recognizing God's voice, the, we'll call it the ability to discern what the Spirit is saying. You know where you need to start? You need to start right here. Amen. You need to be into God's Word. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the, the Logos. This is the, the Spirit of Jesus. That's a revelation to us. And so we have to be in God's Word. We need to be in prayer. We need to 
have people around us who have gone before us and are our elders and have been in that place and they understand what it means to raise children in the culture. They understand what it means to manage a business with the issues that are going on. They understand those things. We need to have people around us. We need to have the Spirit speaking to us through His Word and through prayer. Maybe in the small groups that you're going to be joining, God puts you together. As Jerry said, there's somebody there that's going to speak to you. Maybe there's somebody there God's going to use you to speak to them. You know, in this context of the story that we're going to look at today, Israel was under constant contact from the king of Aram. And every time the king went out there, imagine you're a, a football team and the, and the opposing team, every time you have a play, they have defended it exactly as they should because they know what your play you're going to run. You can't run a tr trick play on them. They know what's coming. And, they, and so what are they going to think? They're going to think, well, somebody, you know, Bill Belichick, or no, not Bill Belichick. They're, they're, going, to think, uh, they're going to think that other coach, that he, he is a traitor, and somebody has given our plays away. And why are they, how, who among me and who in my circle is sharing my strategy and my plays with the enemy? Well, Elisha knew exactly what they were, the enemy was going to do. And so he was going and telling the king. He said, they're going to come, they're going to flank us from the left, or whatever was going on. And so the king of Aram got very upset. And after thinking that there was a traitor among his troops, he learned that there was this prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. So he said, you know, since there's no traitor, what I need to do is just go kill that prophet. However, I'm glad that this prophet didn't run like his predecessor Elijah did. Elijah was not afraid. Years later, King David would write, Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain what? Confident. We are, there's a confidence when we hear God's voice. When we're in the right place, we can respond confidently. Elisha responded in faith to God's voice. A few years back, there was a pastor long time. He'd been a mentor to me. I had worked with him over the years, and uh, he called me. He said, George, I'm, I'm taking a church. The pastor's died. There's a, it's, there's a lot of confusion. I'm going to be the interim pastor for a while. He says, do you know a staff member that could come and join my team? I'd love to have someone come, and he laid out what he was looking for, and I had been mentoring a young man to a degree, and I knew that he was interested in going into ministry, and so I went to this young man. I said, here's this position now. It's a high cost of living area. You'd be working with an interim pastor. There's a lot of issues in the church. <laughs> we don't know who the pastor's going to be, so we don't know if you'd be interim also or if you're going to be long-term. And I explained everything, laid out the practical things and mentioned, you know, this, the pastor you'd be working with could be a great mentor, be a great guy to have on your resume, just trying to put a little bit of uh, cherries on it. That <laughs> it could be a good situation. And so we talked about it, he explored it some, and after a while, I remember I, I approached him and I said, you know, what, what are you thinking about? What are you going to do? He said, well, and he listed those practical things, and he said, I'm just not sure. And I, I asked him a question. I said, well, what is God saying to you about this? What is God saying to you about this? The young man thought, he said, I'm going to give that some more and some deep consideration. That man took that job, went, and he began serving in this kind of difficult, very difficult situation. A couple of years later, Trinity, we were looking for a staff member. 
We interviewed people from around the country. In fact, we flew a couple in, and we were about to ink the deal and sign it. <laughs> uh, my wife and I and the pastors had met with this other couple, and I walked out to them, got in the car, and I turned, and I said to Denise, I said, this is the wrong people. This is the wrong couple. The couple that went from here to that other church, I think they're the ones God wants us to have. Because I know that guy responds to the Spirit of God. Not that the other guy didn't, but I just knew some things. And I said, just the Spirit of God spoke to me. And I called that pastor and I said, you know, is it possible? What's it, what's it look like? And then I called Jerry Chambliss. And I said, Jerry, would you come back to Trinity? And Jerry and Deb came back. And, you know, I, I, I love this story after story among our staff. Think of the Lorenzas just coming back from California of people who respond to the Word and to God's voice in their life. That's the kind of people I want to be around. That's the kind of people that you need leading your teenagers, leading your children, leading the ministries here at Trinity. He was convinced, and he came back. You know, what is God calling you to? Is there something that maybe he's spoken to you and you've been hesitant? I'm going to encourage you today. Don't wait another day. Say, God, you spoke to me about this. Today it's going to start. It's not just about going back and having parties and trying to tie everything up. No, today I'm going to follow your voice. Be convinced and respond quickly. Let me give you a second thought. The Spirit not only uses people who respond quickly, the Spirit uses the convinced to intercede for the unconvinced or the not yet convinced. Elisha's servant, you remember uh, his first servant was Gehazi. Do you remember that story? And Gehazi wanted some of the... Uh, goods from Naaman, and he, he, he had witnessed a lot of miracles, and Naaman had come from the enemy's camp, and he had gone to the Jordan River, and his, his servants had convinced him to dip down seven times in the Jordan, and he was cleansed of leprosy, and then he comes back, and he says to Elisha, I want to give you some gifts, and Elisha says, no, this isn't about, this is, just, you just go back and honor God, and Gehazi ran after him and said, oh, the, the, the prophet's changed his mind. He'd like some uh, suits and he'd like uh, some, uh, uh, some uh, leather goods that you have. And so, and, and how many of you know, you don't mess with a prophet who hears from God. Just like you don't mess with a parent who knows what you're going to do and where you've been and has eyes in the back of their head. That, that's what a prophet who hears from God is like. They, they know what you're up to. And Gehazi lost his position and his family and he were smitten, stricken with leprosy. His, his greed revealed that he was unconvinced. It was more about him than it was about following the voice of God and following the prophet of God. I can't imagine what it was like for the, the, the job interview for, Eli, for Elisha's servant, for this servant. You know, he said, what happened to your last servant? Well, uh, uh, God, get it, God uh, smit him with leprosy because he wasn't obedient. How many of you know that uh, changes the job description quite a bit, doesn't it? That, that, that changes how you respond to, to the prophet. It says, when the servant, we read about the servant of the man of God, he got up early the next morning. This is, this is not Gehazi, but this is the servant who's now there when the armies are surrounding them. And he's, he's like, oh, sir, what will we do now? And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. The, young, the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. He began with fear. The enemy is out there. Any of you have fear today? 
I have fear. Any of you watch the news? Any of you think about who's running our countries and our cities and our counties and our states? There's, there's reason to fear, folks. Let me ask that question again. Anybody have that kind of fear out there? I'm like, wow, God, you can't imagine what's going to happen here. But I'm glad that the Lord's army is out there. I'm glad that we know what's going to happen when we get to Revelation. We, you, you know what I find sometimes with, can I meddle just a little bit? I, don't get to, I haven't had the chance to meddle for months. I just meddle with picking on my family members, but that's, that's not as much fun as meddling on hundreds of people at the same time. Christians in America tend to think that America is heaven. It's going to be destroyed. It, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we act like, God, if you don't fix this now, what in the world's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what in the world's going to happen. Read Revelation. <laughs> Read Daniel, and you'll find out what's going to happen. And so it's just like, God, what is my part, and what's this going to happen? We're, I'm not, we're not here, and we're going to be kingdom now, and we're, all the world's going to get saved. No, it's not going to happen. There's a hell that wasn't prepared for any human being, but it's going to be filled with millions and millions and billions of humans who have said no to the voice of Jesus Christ. There, there is a battle that's going on out there, and we need to be aware of it. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and then we need to be able to instruct those around us, not, you know, just about everybody on the planet now knows how to say, hey, Siri, who won yesterday's ball game? How, hey, Siri, how do I make whatever I'm cooking tonight or whatever? How about if we said, hey, Holy Spirit? Hey, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Holy Spirit, what's, what's the, the, the godly thing to do? Not, not the pragmatic, practical, logical, we can think of all of that, but Holy Spirit, what's the supernatural answer to this? What is, what is that thing? You know, when I think about Elisha, you know, he waited. He didn't say, open his eyes before the servant asked. He waited till the servant was hungry and says, what are we going to do now? Sometimes that's the best position to be in, isn't it? To have people who are asking those questions, well, what am I going to do? How's my marriage going to be helped? How am I going to raise these kids? You start asking those questions. When you ask those questions, God has the answer. The Holy Spirit has the answer. I think maybe the servant was living with Elisha being his source. He was living vicariously through my supernatural. I'm Elisha's servant. I'm going around. Here's my card. I'm Elisha's servant. I'm Elisha's servant. He hears from God. He tells me what to do here. How about I'm, God, I'm a servant of the Most High. I work for Elisha, but I have a relationship with God. And now his spiritual eyes are open. Don't, you know, we have, uh, again, we have believers across the country. Well, I follow this pastor. I follow that pastor. I follow this one. How about we all just said, I follow Jesus Christ. And I want the work of the Holy Spirit to be evident in my life. Don't live as if a pastor is your source. Live as if the Holy Spirit is your source. He is the one who will lead you into deeper things through times of sickness and loss and brokenness. And all those times you'd say, why has this happened to me? So often it happens so that we draw closer to God. We need a transformation from cultural Christians in America to spirit-led Christians. People convinced that the God of our mothers and fathers, how many of you, your mother or father prayed you into the kingdom? That was part of it. 
How many they had, you had a family member that prayed you into the kingdom? So many of you. But you know what? We need to be convinced that the God of our mothers and fathers is my God too. He's my God too, and I'm going to intercede for others. Paul writes to the Ephesians, and he says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Let's read this together and be reminded of this. For what we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. We're not fighting against the Democrats or the Republicans or the middle. We're, there's a spiritual battle that's going on that Paul says you can't see it. You can't see it. It doesn't show up on the news. People don't even understand what's going on. There's a spiritual battle. Parents, the liberal teachers, they're only pawns. The ones who are trying to convince your children that they might be another gender or they might be another whatever. That, that, I'm not here to make light of it, but I'm telling you, there's a spiritual battle that's going on that needs to be fought. That maybe at work, maybe you think your manager is evil personified. You know what? She just needs to, an encounter with Jesus Christ. There's a spiritual battle that's going on. We need a Holy Spirit awakening so we can discern Satan's intentions. Holy Spirit confidence. Convinced that the Spirit has angels in place. You know, don't go negative on the Spirit's work when you're being persecuted. The Spirit is working when the enemy is outside the gates. The, the Spirit is working in some of the darkest times that we look back and we say, but it was the Holy Spirit that brought me through this. The king of Aram had his army, but the Lord of heaven's host has never been defeated. Never been defeated. And so we need to be interceding. We need to be passing that conviction on to our family members. Who are you interceding for? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's friends. It's colleagues. Maybe you begin interceding and you begin teaching your children about the work of the Spirit. And you begin instilling in them why you are making certain decisions. And you begin mentoring them so that they can hear the voice of the Spirit. One of the joys of pastoring over the last many years was we would have every uh, month, we would have a book review with the pastors. We'd also do the devotional every week with the entire staff. But with the pastors, we would have pick a book. Usually it was some kind of faith builder. Maybe it was something about culture so we could understand what was going on. And for me as the pastor, I loved hearing the thoughts of the pastors around the table. I loved hearing their perspective. But I also loved being able to speak into their life and to be able to show maybe a something that they hadn't seen, and maybe they're showing me something that I hadn't seen. That iron sharpening iron helps us all hear much better what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Allow the Spirit to use you to give confidence to people around you, confident of His power. Final thought is this, the Spirit gives the convinced authority over the enemy. We have authority, spiritual authority over the enemy. The enemy in this story, Elisha said, God, blind them, and they were blinded. They were blinded. They could not see. They had thought, we're going to go get this old guy that's, uh, you know, I don't know if he has, uh, what, what he was wearing, if he was wearing a sheepskin or what, what he was looking like and what he was doing. They said, well, this is going to be an easy task. We'll just, we'll just send out the newbies to go get this guy. And then they were blinded. 
And the text tells us in the sixth chapter in the 19th verse, Elisha went out to the army and he told them, you've come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. And as soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, read this with me, oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. <laughs> so the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha. Now this is the king who was trembling in fear because the army was around. He said, my, my father, uh, uh, sh sh should I kill them? Should, should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? What did he tell them? He says, what? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. Don't you love God's ways? <laughs> so the king made a great feast for them. This is the enemy. This is the ones who wanted to kill him, Elisha, and kill the king. And he sent them home to their master with their tail between their legs. <laughs> And let's read this together aloud. After that, what? The Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. You don't mess with God's people when God's working with them. You know, the trial of Jesus. One of the questions that was asked over and over, the gospel writers recorded. This is the question. Who gave you authority? Who gave you authority? And Jesus it said earlier, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. That's the authority that we have. You know, in our world today, we might look at America and we say, who has the authority? Well, maybe some people think the authority is Washington, D.C. Some people think the authority is in New York City. Some people think the authorities in the entertainment in Hollywood or Las Vegas or, you know, some other place in our country. But discerning Christians know that the authority in America is in none of those places. I'll tell you where the authority of America is. It's a Trinity Assembly of God. It's at First Baptist. It's at Bible-believing churches and in Bible-believing parents' homes and individuals' homes. That's where the authority is. And again, we put our hopes and our trust and our confidence and say, what are we going to do if this happens? I'm going to still be serving Jesus Christ. If they tell me we can't have Bibles, if they tell me we can't preach about this or that, I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. And I'm going to be, we, we, have, this, we have this huge tradition of, you've got 11 of the 12 disciples were killed for their faith. In America, we just want, well, but if we serve God, you know, we're going to get a bigger this and more of that and more of this and everything's going to, I haven't served God more than those disciples. I haven't given up more than them. But God had a reward for them. Hebrews tells us that you know, we can't even imagine for all those who have gone before. How, how did the church just got a little bit more serious and said, forget politics. Am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I, is my family participating? Is my family doing what God has called us to do? Don't, don't, let, don't be disheartened by the, the systems of this world. They're, they're just, they're going to be gone, and there's going to be a brand new government and a leader of it, and the government is going to be on his shoulders, and his name is Jesus Christ. I love this in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 8, so the chap prior chapter. It says, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, 
He sent this message to him. So the king knows the armies are coming. He sends this message. He says, what are you so upset about? Who cares who wins the election? Doesn't change who's on the throne in heaven. Who, who cares what is happening? Why, why are you so upset? He said, send Naaman to me and what? He will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. America and this world needs to know that there are true prophets, that there are people of God. You know, Jesus had to deal with blind Jews. They should have known better. In, for, in John chapter 12, it says, despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, Jesus talked about this wicked and depraved generation just, just wants a sign. Just show me a sign. They, they, they just wanted signs. And he says, but the people couldn't believe them. For as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. We don't talk much about retrobate minds, do we? The Bible talks about minds that have been seared like a hot iron. If you take a hot iron and you sear, carterize a part of your body, you sear something, you know it's not going to come back the way it was. You know that the nerves are going to be damaged, that the feeling is going to be gone, that the sensitivity is going to be gone. And Jesus said they were blinded. God has allowed them to have what they want. Jesus is also dealing, he deals with blind churches. Blind churches. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, you say, I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I don't want to be that church. <laughs> I don't want to be that people. I want to be people who have my eyes open to the spiritual realities. The king of Israel was beside himself when he heard the plans of the enemy, but there was one man who said, I'm not afraid. A man who responded quickly to the voice of the Spirit, a man who mentored his servant and those that are around him, and a man who knew that he who was with us is greater than he who is against us. True people of God, we're con as true people, we're convinced that this is true. Anybody here convinced that this is true? Anybody here convinced that the Holy Spirit still speaking today? The Holy Spirit is still speaking today. Worldly titles have no authority over us. Kings of this earth, presidents of this earth, mayors, senators. We have one king, and his name is Jesus, and he said, I must leave so I can send my spirit to you. And his spirit is still speaking today. His spirit is greater in us. His spirit is still rescuing us. Many years ago, I have lost both my parents and, and my brother. And my, I had, my younger brother was uh, running drugs for the Medellin cartel from Colombia to Miami to New York. He would tell me how he would take cocaine, get cowboy boots, put it in his boots, and uh, just, just horrible growing up in a pastor's home, and yet he's there living a, a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God. He's running drugs. One day my dad gets a call from my brother. My brother says, I'm in Miami. He says, I'm being held hostage in an apartment. I've told the cartel that I want to get out. They have positioned guards out, outside of the apartment, and they're trying to figure out how to kill me and get rid of me. Please help me. My dad, this little 
five foot six, Italian, Pentecostal preacher. First thing he did is he got on a plane. He called me. I drove him to National Airport. He got on a plane. He went down, flew down to Miami, went to the state police, and told the state police the story. The state police followed him over to the apartment where my brother was, and they got there, and sure enough, there were cartel members outside of the apartment that were holding him in that apartment. But how many of you know that my dad didn't just go down with the state police? My dad went down with the angels of the Lord because the Medellin cartel didn't know that they were dealing with a five-foot-six Italian-American Pentecostal spirit-filled, spirit-led pastor, and God had sent him to rescue his son, and he was going to bring him home. He brought my brother home. They lived together for years. He and the parents before they, they, they passed and went on to their reward. My brother came home, and he would be very guarded. He wanted, he wanted grills over the windows because he was afraid because he had knowledge. He knew routes. He knew people. He knew all that stuff. But God had a different plan for him because the armies of the angels, the armies of heaven hosts are greater than anything else that we're facing. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how, what you're saying, what you're thinking about today, what, what that, maybe that emotional depression, maybe, uh, maybe there's th people who have come against you or people who have betrayed you and what you're, how you're processing these things today. But I want to let you know that God is for you. He's not against you. That God wants to speak to you. He wants to give you clarity. Some of you, it's your children. You are in, you've been interceding for your children, and there's going to be opportunities. As you say yes to God, there's going to be opportunities for you to speak into their lives so that their eyes can be opened. There's going to be opportunities to, for you to speak to the enemy and to cast him out and to blind his eyes and to say, no, you're not going to have any part in what's going on in this house you're not going to have any part in tearing apart our marriage. You're not going to do those things because the voice of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. In a moment, we're going to sing some songs. Well, the first one is, open my eyes, Lord. I want to see you. If you're going to hear the Holy Spirit, the very first thing you have to do is see Jesus. Don't see me. Don't, don't see somebody else who's been a mentor in your life. You know, pastoring over the years, I had so many people, well, every time they had a need, they ran to somebody, tell me what I'm supposed to do, tell me what I'm supposed to do. It was like, that's, that's not what Jesus intended for us. He gave us his word. You can have mentors, you can have people who help you, but I mean, they, they didn't, couldn't tie their shoe without asking somebody, like, what am I, like, no, no, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, but you have to be at the feet of Jesus. You have to be worshiping Jesus. We're going to invite him to open our eyes. Then we're going to say, Holy Spirit, maybe there's a part of my life when I, where I just kind of think I've been running it on my own and I haven't needed you. Holy Spirit, I repent of that today. Holy Spirit, I repent of maybe you've told me to do something. Maybe you've told me to speak to someone, to, to do a deed in honor of your son, Jesus Christ, and I haven't done it. Would you forgive me and allow me to do it? And we're going to anticipate supernatural miracles taking place in our lives, in your life personally, and among those who are around you. And we're going to believe that the enemy is going to be cast out in the powerful name of Jesus, because we do have authority. Jesus gave us that authority. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment if musicians, choirs joining me here on the platform? If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ,
It all begins by saying yes to Jesus. You say, Lord, I admit my brokenness. I admit maybe I've been running from you. And second, I, I believe you're the Son of God. You came to this earth, born of a Virgin Mary. You gave your life on Calvary and you were resurrected the third day. And today, I choose to make you my Lord. If you make that your prayer, today you'll be put on a spiritual journey and be given the faith that I've been talking about today and the Holy Spirit will continue to convince you of his work. And let me also tell you the Holy Spirit will, as Jesus said, will convict you of sin in your life and he'll begin to give you the strength to change. Father, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus Christ, the redeeming, saving name of Jesus. Lord, for those among us and those maybe watching online who don't have a relationship with you, maybe, maybe they need to come back to you. Maybe this is something new to them. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak to them right now. You've already spoken to them. You, you, the scripture reminds us that we can't come to you unless your Holy Spirit draws us. So Holy Spirit, as you're doing your work, we work alongside you. We say, Holy Spirit, come and change our lives. We admit our brokenness, our sinful state. We believe Jesus is the one and only Son of God who died for our sins and was resurrected on the third day. Today we choose to follow you. And Lord, as we enter into this time of worship and by singing and making these songs our prayer and calling out to you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Not welcome as just a voice outside of us, but welcome as this, the voice that you have given each one of us, the Spirit of Jesus Christ within us, the hope of glory. Lord, may Jesus Christ be honored, and may we receive everything that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.